They've met with the pastor week after week. He's taught them our precepts and Christ Jesus to seek. He shared the law of our God, which we strive to keep, the prayers, the creeds, and the sacraments deep. Now these young saints are right to partake in Christ's body and blood, all for his sake. A gift you are seeking to commemorate this? Ad Crucem has just what you won't want to miss. We've got icons, art, ornaments, jewellery and more, greeting cards, crucifixes, posters, gifts galore. Your catechized friend will love what you give and treasure the gift all the days that they live. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. Today is a book club wrap-up episode. These are always fun conversations. We get to dig into a book that we've all very recently read and discussed in the Facebook group. This time it was Elizabeth von Arnhem's The Enchanted April. I personally think this was quite a magical book. It was delightful. That's the word that keeps coming to my head whenever Mm. I think about reading this book and experiencing all of these things in my head. So this was a delightful read. Rachel, take it away. What are we going to talk about today? Oh, so many things. So back in December, when we were recording our interview with Katie Sherman, she had told us, if you want to be creative, you got to read good writers. Good writers like Elizabeth von Arnhem, who wrote The Enchanted April, and she said, go read that book, and it will it will just help you be more creative. And we thought, hmm, all right, we'll save that for a rainy day. And then it was a rainy day in January <laughs> when we needed a new book club read, and my mind flashed back to The Enchanted April, and I thought, well, our next book club will be happening in March when we'll all be in the mood for some good spring weather, like mm-hmm. An Enchanted April. Let's Mm -hmm. just do that. So we did. And it was wonderful. The story was written in the 1920s by an English author who writes about four women, all of whom are miserable in different ways, who decide to gamble big and a couple of them using uh, most of their life savings to go in on a castle in Italy, renting the ultimate Airbnb. Yes. (laughs) And get away out of a particularly wet and miserable spring, winter spring in in London, get away together. They're all strangers before this happens, but they're all friends by the end. And I won't spoil it. Mm. Oh, wait, we're doing book club discussion. I'll spoil it all. Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers. Spoil it, girl. Long story short, it turns out to have been a very good gamble for each of them because they all find some sort of resolution to the various things, opportunities for self-reflection, for self-discovery, for reconciliation within their marriages. And it's a wonderful adventure. It also is just pure escapist fantasy to think about spending Mm -hmm. a month at a castle by the sea in Italy and the the numbers of flowers that she describes popping out. I'm not really sure that it is biologically possible for all those species to bloom (laughs) within the same month. Um, I feel like she squished an entire year's Mm -hmm. worth of flowers into like one month in Italy. 
I've never been to Italy in April, so I don't know. Maybe it's possible. This is a literary tool we call the willful suspension of disbelief. (laughs) As a gardener, Mm -hmm. I had to willfully suspend my disbelief reading through this Mm -hmm. going, I I didn't know those things could bloom in the same season. But you know what? I wish they could. And that's good enough for me. (laughs) So it it is a wonderful book full of sunshine and flowers and women who were miserable becoming happy and it's just just gorgeous so i'm so glad we had this adventure together that's what i thought about it what did you think about it i want to i want i want to open my remarks uh, <laughs> the introduction to this book and for some reason i'm a big fan of introductions to books these days even though i i think i just skipped them when i was a kid because i thought <laughs> i was born <laughs> irrelevant okay but here's the thing so i was i it was like the first 70 or 65 degree day that we had a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, you know, I have to read this book because the book club is happening. And so I pulled out my book and I went and sat outside for the first time this year. And I opened it to the introduction. I was like, I need to read the introduction because they're generally very informative, right? Uh, <laughs> and it says, open a window or better yet, wander into a garden. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm there. <laughs> Step one. <laughs> Settle down, breathe in the scent. I was like, Okay, I'm doing that. Whatever it is, but breathe especially deep if there's wisteria in the air, which there was not, but that's okay. Mm. Put on a hat, which I had on, or at least some sunscreen, which I did not. Turn off your phone. I did that. Now you're ready to read Elizabeth Von Arnhem's The Enchanted April. So that was my introduction to this book. Man, scholarly introductions have come a long way since I was in graduate school. (laughs) Right, I know. This was it was fantastic. And then and then I ended up having to punt and do the audiobook because I for some reason, in the last couple of weeks, once Lent hit, I had no time to read anything in my life. You mean so, the introduction wasn't like, close this book, drop it, and go do something else? <laughs> no. no, it wasn't, sadly enough. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually very excited to go back and read the book since it's not super long. I've come to love reading actual books, thanks to Book Club and you, Rachel. I blame you for this. But now I have the book and I'm going to go back and read it. But I absolutely <laughs> love this book. I'm <laughs> smiling so big right now. Aww. Like, I take my lunch outside and go read a book outside now at work. Like, this oh, is that's my thing now. beautiful. Anyway. Sarah, and for future reference, if ever I call you a nerd, the correct response is, I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> <laughs> also a nerd, <laughs> truthfully. Um, <laughs> but this book was so, I, I was laughing out loud when I was listening to it. it. The end of it had these twists and turns that I did not expect. The imagery was just beautiful in my head. Mm. I was Google mapping to like see the places where they were so I could get the actual images in my head. I have actually been to this general region of the world when we were in Nice, France. It's not exactly in the same place, but close enough that I kind of had a picture of what these places would look like. And like, I don't know, it was it was such a fantastic getaway kind of Mm. book in my head of I don't know. It was just so happy. It made me so happy. I was so hopeful and joyous. And like I had all these nice emotions going on because I was like so afraid that things would end badly because because I wasn't sure. And then everyone, everything just ended so wonderfully. And I was so happy. (laughs) Nice. That was nice. I thought it was really hilarious. Yes. (laughs) It just was so funny. My two, the two funniest parts of this book, A, when Rose Arbuthnot and Lottie Wilkins get off the train in Italy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And they are driven by carriage to 
San Salvatore and they don't know Italian <laughs> and they think they've been kidnapped and it's are gonna really be brought anywhere midnight. We're going to die. We're gonna die. Like and the other funny part to me was when Carolyn Dester runs into Lottie Wilkins' husband yes. wearing nary but a towel because there's oh, an explosion in the bathroom or right. something. I was laughing so hard. Like you honestly there are some scenes in this book that would make for like a modern day comedy. <laughs> like it just like talking about a, a book that makes you feel more creative. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, let's do a modern day version of this in a movie. <gasps> I mean, there are four of us. Actually, totally do there <laughs> is a wonderful movie from the 90s that I saw yeah. mm -hmm. and it's fantastic. It's actually really quite faithful to the book. I don't know if it's quite mm -hmm. as hilarious. It's pretty it's it's got a lot of heart. Like I'm I've definitely got it on my Netflix DVD list right now to bring home for another it was viewing. A series on BBE on BBEC <laughs> on BBC I think on BBC you financial four, person. <laughs> <laughs> But like, yeah, I totally think there could be a modern day version of this. Oh, they should re they should redo it. You're right. They'd probably yes. mess it up now, though. Just going to say yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. I have that movie. I was waiting until after we recorded this podcast to watch the movie because I didn't want to cloud cloud uh, this discussion with movie things instead of book things. It's but... also a musical, too, I think. Is it really? Yes. It's like a, there's like a Broadway musical. Of wow. It. That would be cool. Well, yeah. Hmm. I just I thought it was it was a delight i think is the is the word that i would mm -hmm. use for that i too. agree that that is a great adjective for it i also found it just very charming yes. um and i mean there were elements of it that were sort of idealized but also some it was not all idealized mm -hmm. uh and so they didn't feel like paper cut out characters sort of mm -hmm. thing that were really just one dimensional but they they've they had real motivations and you got to explore some of that. And I really, I, I really enjoyed it. The sort of story arcs that you got for each of them. Mm -hmm. It was, it was great. Mm -hmm. I really liked it. I think one of my favorite scenes is when the Lottie and Rose, the, the sort of drivers behind this adventure tried to get there early so that the <laughs> subletters would, they could get everything nice and ready uh -huh. for the other two women whom uh -huh. they're subletting the place to. But the other two women actually show up a day before them. And yep. so Lottie and Rose are are just disappointed. They're like, we wanted to pick out the best rooms for you. And they say, oh, we already did that. We did that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to fill oh, them with flowers. Oh, oh, we had the servants do that already. Uh -huh. And they're just like, what are we, chopped uh -huh. liver? <laughs> and like, yeah. here's the other thing, too, is like each individual woman is so remarkably different from the other yes and there's not a whole lot of nuance behind written behind them but you can just tell like mrs fit i was gonna say mrs fletcher wrong <laughs> mrs. book wrong book <laughs> mrs fisher is sort of like this old curmudgeonly spinster type caroline is like a snobby like movie star ish mm. lottie and rose are like BFF goals. Honestly, yes. I love those two. And yeah, together. they're so different too. I mean, Lottie yeah. is just this. She's a bit weird, honestly. Yes, that's why I relate to her. Yeah, and Rose yeah. is on her way to becoming a living martyr. Yep. <laughs> she's she's the ultimate church lady. Yeah. For all the wrong Their reasons, was so charming too. Like yeah. how they met in the opening of the book. I was yes. just like, this is the cutest thing ever. 
<laughs> yeah, try going up to the ultimate church lady and say, I can see how miserable you are. Are <laughs> you reading about the castle in San Salvatore? Are <laughs> you reading about that? <laughs> that was great. All right. We also, besides just simply raving about how much we enjoyed our little, well, let's say tourist adventure in Italy, literally speaking, we also usually dig into some of the more in-depth questions. We had our book club discussion last week. It was wonderful. Started a little slowly, I think, partly because a lot of people are doing less Facebook for Lent. And also because my fault, I might have not gotten the announcement up quite as early and often as I should have because it sneaked up on me because of Lent. So mm. we'll uh, try to plan that out a little better in the future and make sure we get plenty of notice and maybe avoid times when lots of people are fasting from social media. But that said, it was a fantastic discussion. We talked about, oh, everything under the sun, just about. And so I tossed it to each of you. Which of the, the topics we covered during that discussion do you want to talk about here today? So one of the questions that was asked in the book club really brings the significance of like when you're world weary and you're kind of at your wits end, vacation is one way to decompress. Changes of scenery is one way to, to decompress, rest, relaxation, etc. And question three was, where do you go and what do you do? To refresh yourself when you find yourself, in Lottie's words, miserable and longing for something else. And maybe I just want to talk about this because I'm very excited to go. <laughs> <laughs> Every summer, my family uh, will rent a beach cottage in Sunset Beach, North Carolina. And it's like one of those duplex condo things like right on the shore. It sleeps like 20 people. So it's a bunch of people from our family. Just kind of hanging out. We can walk to the beach. We can ride bikes. We can do whatever. It's just, it is a much needed respite from the hustle and bustle of like work and church responsibilities and, you know, family responsibilities and the whole nine. Mm. Like just like you get there and you bring in all your luggage and then you go out on the deck off of your bedroom and you just breathe like breathe in the ocean mm -hmm. air and it's just like that that first hit of island <laughs> air right like it just it is so good and one thing that i do want to say because rose really is sort of something isn't she with you know as involved as she is with the church and the poor and like even as we were nearing the books and she's sort of seeing and maybe is even frustrated by her life's work and her focus on the poor and doing church stuff. And I feel like this book should serve as an admonition to our church workers hmm. that mm -hmm. God did very, very good work for six days. But on the seventh day, he mm -hmm. took a break, yo. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. make time for yourself. Yes, the work of the church continues. Mm -hmm. And our church workers play a very pivotal role in that. But... It's also very important to make time for yourself and your family to get that rest and respite for a job well done. Yeah. So, Rose, that was a good move for you, sis. Rose Arbuthnot yeah. is a just textbook case of burnout yep. at the yeah, beginning of the book. And I, I love that scene where she started to think about San Salvatore 
but she's got to go basically do a fundraising speech mm-hmm. where yep. she's going to speak before uh, in front of, well, lower class people trying to get them to give money for other lower class people. <laughs> <laughs> but she's so distracted Beth, by the idea of actually taking the first vacation she's had in the decade that the vicar is rather disappointed in how little money she brings. In. <laughs> <laughs> the fun drive is not is is not going well because her heart's not in it because she yep. needs to get away and be refreshed. But that's it. Rose's relationship with the vicar and the way he takes advantage of her guilt to get all mm. sorts of, of free labor out of her is kind of mm. uh, a little dysfunctional. I'm just going to just going to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's true. I relate to that very not the vicar part, the vacation <laughs> part. Sorry. <laughs> The first part of our conversation <laughs> last year was just like, I don't even want to talk about it. It was so bad. Like 2021 yeah. was terrible for my family. I mean, for a lot of people, but mm-hmm. we we dealt with a lot of stuff last year. And by the end of the year, I was just like, I need I need a break. And we generally always travel around Christmas, mm-hmm. usually to f- visit family. But this year, the way it ended up, we ended up just going to Detroit for a week. And I won't, I don't need to say how much I love Detroit, but this is like the first time. <laughs> we all already know. <laughs> but this is the first time that I had actually gone to Detroit in a, such a long time to just kind of be there mm. and, and have some time to actually relax. My Christmas present, because my husband knows me very well, was to just wander around Detroit for an afternoon and like go take pictures of things and wander around buildings and see all like this fun architecture and stuff and just be a tourist. It was so stinking fun. Mm-hmm. Like I I took a I just, you know, like a random selfie of us by the river. You can see Canada in the background. <laughs> and, and I made Her it into second a, favorite place. It's true. Second favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> I I put that on one of the canvases that I buy randomly. And so I have this canvas of just the two of us like in our jackets, mismatched jackets on my bedroom wall now because that picture just reminds me of how just flat out happy we were mm. in that moment of just wandering around. And I felt so much just like peace after that trip and I did not want to go back to work. <laughs> I was like, this is like, this is what I needed, but I need like three more weeks of this because yeah. it was just... It was that's the beginning of it. That feeling is so deep, though. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Funny. You can recall it at any time, yes. right? Yeah. And like you, you can feel it again. And it's waiting because you're like, it. shut up, Grzevsky. You're not on vacation. Get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should say I need like three more weeks of this because I, I had a similar thought in December when we were planning our trip to Michigan for Christmas. And I thought, you know, I could really use about three extra weeks of Christmas break. And then I thought, I'm a homeschool mom. I'm going to take those three extra weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My teenagers and my husband, they could, they would, they will survive without me. In fact, they'll probably grow into more fully developed human beings without me around. And my younger two, we can just homeschool from the second floor in Sparta, Michigan. And it was so refreshing. Like mm-hmm. I, I, like you, Sarah, you know, I had like a year last year, like a year yeah. I never want to repeat. Um mm-hmm. And I had not taken any real time to rest and refresh after that. And so just, it wasn't like we did anything fancy or special. We just changed our scenery, enjoyed some good winter weather and some time to reconnect with family. And it was so good. Yeah. Yes. Well, like all of you last year, I got to have a vacation also in the summer, uh, same as Bree. And this time we went to... Uh, the coast of Maine, oh, yeah. which I had not spent time on before, but it was one of those 
one of those magical sort of vacations where it was truly a just a utterly refreshing mm-hmm. non-stressful yes. <laughs> occasion just gorgeous scenery to look at and no stress interactions with family and just perfect yes uh, yes so they did a lot of just sitting around doing nothing. Yes. They did. And that's mm-hmm. my favorite. That's my favorite yeah. part about this. It was like, yeah. and she was sitting and writing a letter. Well, and then they went in the garden and sat some more. And then they sat out on the battlements. And this, <laughs> apparently the staff of the castle are just completely astounded at this behavior. They're like, normally people come to Italy, they like do stuff. Right. And these guys are just doing nothing. They're just sitting here. (laughs) They were like, by the time the the husband comes and and he blows up the bathroom, they're like, something's finally happening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even like, wasn't Mrs. Fisher like, don't bother me for four weeks. Like, yes. I'll go if you don't bother <laughs> don't me yeah. for four like, well, weeks. There were, there uh-huh. were two doors onto her own little claimed space. Oh and so God. she had the servants move stuff in front of one of the doors. Um, and on the outside, move the flowers. And the servants are like, nobody's going to be able to use oh. the doors. She's like, nobody will want to. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Mrs. Oh, Fisher! I wanted no. to slap her at the beginning no. of the book about five I different know. times, but that's oh my gosh. Yeah, that's almost the- to the very end, honestly. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so whatever a- happened to that sitting room? I sort of wish the one she completely closed off so that nobody could access it from either direction. Yeah. Anyone ever discover it again, or is it still closed <laughs> after, off? Well, after the time she chased this out, lot, you know what I think happened is that she stopped using it, and no one else used it either. That they mm. all started spending all their time outside. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, yeah. together in the dining room. Mm-hmm. She was the worst. Caroline was like so mad when anyone would find her. She's like, "I'm going to ignore everybody, even when they look at me." <laughs> Don't don't look yeah. in my direction. How many times can you cool. pretend to be sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Mrs. Fisher's cutting spaghetti with a knife and a fork. Come on now. She's like, she can't eat spaghetti. Like, it's just <laughs> flopping out of her mouth everywhere. Get real. Yikes. Oh, so good. It is so good. Yeah. It is so good. All right. Who's got another question? So I'm going to talk about the one where it's question number four. Going real deep. Yeah. To the the Facebook discussion group. But that, you know, you commented that you were initially put off by Von Arnhem's running commentary on Rose's cold, dead religiosity. And and you started to wonder if the book was actually openly hostile to Christian faith. And I, I agree. I had that. I did notice that. And I especially at the beginning um, before Rose's transformation <laughs> took hold. I had that same same question, but you know you, you said as you went on, you began to see a more complex metaphor unfolding, a beautiful portrait of law and gospel played out in vivid colors at the heaven of San Salvatore, the Holy Savior. So what, if anything else, can we learn theologically from this book? Are there other examples of that? So I definitely noticed that initially I did wonder, was there a hostility? Was that a a uncharitable evaluation of her faith? But as as you went on and you were hearing 
I guess, hearing things from her perspective that, you know, the chapters that were inside her head, you, you definitely got the understanding. Yes, she's burned out, but she's also like, she is only ever serving and she doesn't ever get the being served and Mm -hmm. like the whole idea of that's what God does for us, that he comes to us and he serves us and she never gets that. And I, I don't know, honestly, like maybe there is a, a metaphor or, or an analogy that's happening in this book. Maybe the, maybe the author is a Christian, maybe not. I think you could speculate on that. Maybe there, maybe there's something else out there that makes it more clear, but it was something that I was just slowly became more aware of that she she just had no sense of, like you said, the like all of her all of her service is motivated by by her guilt, by the mm-hmm. sting of the law. Mm-hmm. She's not none of it is a joyful response. And she never is like falling back in, you know, in weakness and receiving that grace that's freely offered mm-hmm. to us all. And so that's something I noticed. And then as Brie, you were saying that, you know, like the whole, like, let this be a lesson to our church workers everywhere that God worked on seven days and or six days. And then on the seventh day, he rested. Even church workers with that seventh day, often worship is partly work. And so yeah. that is a, yep. that's a, that's a real challenge to navigate yeah. mm-hmm. on how do you how do you receive even as you give? Yes. Um, yeah. How how do you how do you do both? And so that that's something that I was just struck by as I was I was reading it. I don't necessarily feel like I drew great answers or anything like that from it, but that's what that's one of the things that it got me thinking about theologically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, it was a reminder that being in God's creation. To be thankful that God has been able to, has been able, that God has created (laughs) such beautiful places and people. I mean, I really think that a lot of this book is a celebration of, of people and places and nature and camaraderie. It's just a really feel good book, right? Mm -hmm. But whether whether Elizabeth von Arnhem is coming from a place of theology or not, we can look at all of those good, warm fuzzies and know mm-hmm. that God gives us relationships. Yeah. He gives yeah. us opportunities to rest. He gives us beautiful places to see. Mm-hmm. He reconciles people to each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was really top of mind for me theologically. That and Rose obviously was not a Lutheran. No. Because <laughs> grace was a foreign term. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think... My thoughts on this are still developing. So like I'm trying to put things together in my head while you guys are talking. So hopefully this makes sense. But uh, (laughs) yes, do it. (laughs) We believe that we receive Christ in word and sacrament and not like out and like we don't commune with God in nature. Right. But there is also something very healing about unplugging, getting away and being Mm -hmm. in nature. And and that's a huge theme, I think, for me in this book that, you know, they're talking about. San Salvatore being being this magical place of healing and that it changes you and it changes your heart. That is true for us too. Like we're all talking about going on these vacations, Mm -hmm. being in nature, being away from things, unplugging, having time to just kind of let your mind relax. And for us as Lutherans maybe and, and Christians in general, 
a lot of times that means that we will start thinking about what God has given us and the blessings mm-hmm. that he has. That may not be true for everybody, but when when you have that Christian worldview and that is how you live your life, in those moments, we we tend to turn towards thinking about gifts that we've received and being thankful for the things that we've received. So those things kind of go hand in hand. And the other thing, and I, as I say this, it, it may not make sense, but like this concept yes. of... <laughs> This uh, I'm winging it here. This concept of grace, like the the entire setting of San Salvatore, in a way, is like a type of grace because it had this power to change everybody's hearts that managed to be there. And I don't know if that's a very theological thing, but like as Lottie said, everybody that went there ended up with a change of heart. Like there's just something mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the scenery in San Salvatore that that had this right. ability to change them. So yeah, weird tangent. Yeah, I love going. I love going to LCMS churches on vacation. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. To be it. clear, love it. And I'm gonna take the metaphor a little, a little further, even because that's how it worked for me. As you know, mm-hmm. I don't think von, Arm- von Arnhem was intentionally being theological. I really don't. I looked into her life a little bit, and I just don't think that that's really her thing. Mm-hmm. But all, and and even more so, seeing the way she regards Rose's religion which is cold, which is dead, which is entirely driven by guilt. For those of you new to the book, Rose's husband writes naughty novels under a pseudonym. And that's how (laughs) they get their income. And she is so guilt-ridden about this. She like gives all of her money to the church and all of her free time to raising more money for the poor. Oh <laughs> yeah. Like the worst kind of religion. <laughs> the church yeah. is like, your husband writes filthy dime store novels. We don't want your money, lady. No, well, she she goes to the vicar. She's like, this is where the money came from. Is it okay? And he's like, well. You don't ask questions like that here. I'll I'll keep it to myself for your sake. And yes, I think the money's okay. So basically, she's using the church as a money launderer. <laughs> Whoa. And as she goes to San Salvatore, she's finding that this religion falls apart mm-hmm. and that she's even having trouble praying. Although almost all of her prayers before this were basically, please make my husband not so wicked, which, yeah. again, is I think that you're missing sort of the point of what faith is supposed to do and what prayer is supposed to do. Yes, do pray for your husbands, especially if they're wicked, but it's more than that. (laughs) But I think that every really good story is only good because it has echoes of the really best story, which is what Mm -hmm. we see in scripture. Mm -hmm. So that whether Mm -hmm. authors, this is my own personal philosophy here, but whether authors mean to or not, if they tell a really good story, it's because it's got echoes of God's story in it. Yep. And I think she accidentally named her uh, her her castle San Salvatore, Holy Savior. <laughs> <laughs> because here we see it's like you know how in the Wizard of Oz it starts out all in sepia tones and then you step into Oz and it's all colorful. That's exactly yeah. the kind of imagery that we get from this book yeah. between the rainy yeah. misery of London and yep. Rose taking the the public transit to go speak to the poor who don't want to give money to the other poor. And, you know, then she steps into San Salvatore and it's exactly the experience we have when we encounter the gospel, Mm -hmm. when we stop trying to save ourselves via the law and we encounter the pure grace of the gospel. And not only does it heal us, does it refresh us, but it does change us. 
so that the goodness that Rose and all the rest of them have at the end of the book is a genuine goodness. There's, I was, I've been flipping through the book trying to find a quote, and I can't find the quote. Sigh. But I think I remember it well enough. Because back in London, nobody thinks Lottie and Rose are that good looking. But when they get, when they get down to Italy, a couple days there, and everyone's like, wow, did not realize these women were actually pretty, but they really are. And they're younger than I thought they were, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the servants aren't the only ones to notice this. Their husbands noticed this as well. And the line yes. that I, I love is, the beauty around them made them love, and love made them beautiful. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, what, exactly what the gospel does in our lives. It gives us such an enormous, a garden of beauty that fills mm. us you know, his love makes us love and that love makes us beautiful. And that love is the love from which faith and goodness, real goodness, not faker goodness, not, you know, rose at the beginning of the book goodness, but true goodness comes from that love, from living in San Salvatore always. Because spiritually, mm-hmm. that is our home. We live in the Holy Savior. And so the, now I want to reread the book through the lens of that metaphor and see what it's like to step out from under the burden of sin and law and guilt and Mm -hmm. into the light and wisteria-scented glory of the gospel. So that's... And all the flowers grow at the exact same time. (laughs) (laughs) Which is probably what heaven is going to be like, right? It really is. And they keep calling it heaven, um, which was a little jarring at first. But if you read it through the metaphor, it works because... Mm-hmm. If you live in grace, you live in heaven, even if you're still on earth. Right. Yeah. There was a lot of discussion of beauty in the book, too, which I don't know. I was trying to I, I picked it up too late to like track it, how it may have changed throughout <laughs> the book. But when I go back and read it, there's just there's so much talk of beauty in, in different ways and facets. I don't know. This is, is such a Sarah book. You are so yes. you love aesthetics so much that this I this, this is so, I just see you here. <laughs> Rachel, this book actually reminded me a fair bit of another book that you previously had considered for book club, and I ended up reading it, and I I loved it. It's another one written. This one is written in the forties, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's the Elizabeth Googe. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bird in the tree. Uh, I think it's the name. Of, it's I think so it good. actually has a couple different na- names. The type. It's a there's an oddness about the titles like it goes by different names but it's another one that is beautifully descriptive and that one definitely is does have clear christian themes running through it that Mm -hmm. one it's it's no guessing (laughs) on analogies (laughs) or metaphors or anything like that but it's another one that's very delightful and highly descriptive and you just want to go and live in that little house on the coast of england yeah in the woods and ooh, it's it's fantastic well now i need to read that yes elizabeth yeah. googe yeah. i i'm glad we didn't do it for book club at that point because it's any book that is pretty much out of print is really hard to get to source for a large number of people and know mm-hmm. it's not an audiobook you know mm-hmm. but yes elizabeth googe was my mother-in-law's favorite author and the book was just i found it on her shelf and i just loved it so mm-hmm. Okay, we got one more question to go. Sarah, which one do you want? Pick one out of the hat. All right. So this one is question seven. Basically how Lottie, I totally, I love her. Um, <laughs> she's she's the weird one. one. <laughs> I, I, 
I love her character. (laughs) (laughs) How basically like uh, so much of the book is driven by Lottie's leaps of faith. And she just like does stuff and is like, hey, let's do this thing. Let's go to Italy and spend all of our money and get other people who don't even know to come with us. It'll be fun. (laughs) And so the question is, are there moments in your past when you've made a Lottie-like leap of faith? How did things turn out? And are there leaps of faith that you are currently longing to make in your own life? What would you do if you had Lottie's hopeful heart beating in your chest? Juicy. (laughs) I think, and maybe this is just my personality, but like, I'm always thinking of all these random things I could be doing. I'm like, ooh, what if I I made a total career change and did this entirely different thing for my life? Because it would be so fun. And then I don't actually, because I really love what I do. But... (laughs) This is what I daydream about. The different Mm -hmm. leaps of faith that I could do and the different places we could live in the United States or around the world and what it would be like. I don't know. I have a very wild imagination. But then I was thinking, thinking back through my life. There's I think there's there's been a lot of leaps of faith of of different of varying levels of of leap. I don't know. Like just picking out the college I was going to. That was a huge leap of faith. And I ended up you know, changing my mind at the last minute after I had already registered for classes at one place. I was like, just kidding. I want to go to Concordia. And I like (laughs) completely changed my major (laughs) and moved out of state like (laughs) all last minute. (laughs) So like that was a leap of faith. I mean, getting married in a way is a leap of faith. Like you you put a lot of thought. (laughs) You may not realize it at the time, but if you look back, you will realize it it was a total leap of faith. <laughs> yeah, like you, you don't know what's going to happen in 30 years after you after you choose your person. Like, who, who knows what life is going to throw at you and you have to deal with it together. And so like that's a leap of faith on a different level. I mean, I quit my full-time job to work at a triathlon store because I didn't like the job that I was doing anymore. And so I just completely changed careers <laughs> and tried something new in retail of all things, uh, which was terrifying. But like <laughs> there was that. <laughs> Moving to St. Louis, like even applying for the job that got me to move to St. Louis, that was a huge leap of faith. Moving, you know, to a different city in a different place, that took a lot of uh, a, a leap of faith. And what what I find is funny is even starting this podcast. For, oh my for goodness, the this was a huge leap what, of faith. It was a huge leap mm-hmm. of faith. We're like there, there, there's nothing like this, so we're just gonna try it and see what happens. And lo and behold, it's been what over two and a half years, two and a half years ish. This feels is episode like, like one thirty. Feels like a long time. Something. It's been a long time. So uh, like, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> and, uh, no. Um, and maybe, maybe this is, this is just me and, and how I, I am a risk averse person, but I also love adventure. And so I, I like these calculated risk adventure, calculated risk adventures. Calculated <laughs> risk adventures. Oh my gosh. I love it. Make sure that I- That's a new book genre right there. Choose your own adventure. It's but calculated I- <laughs> risk. But I think, I think that. Um, in addition to the the Christian Lutheran worldview of like, you know, you pray about things, you have wisdom, you you seek uh, wisdom wisdomly advice, wise advice from people. But then, like, you just you just do stuff. I just you know, you make a decision, and you do it, and then you see where it leads. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how I've lived most of my adult life of having these adventures and trusting that that this is part of the path that I'm on. You know, I'm serving my neighbors while I'm while I'm doing these things. It's just kind of kind of how I live. So I, yeah, I man, I relate so heavily with Lottie. I want to be her. <laughs> and I think part of it too is is a gift that God gives us is the relationships that we have in our lives and yeah. the support that the people who walk alongside us who 
help us take those calculated risk adventures or go on the calculated risk adventures with mm -hmm. you. And so there's that support network there, too, that you may feel less risk averse around certain people because you know that they'll be there for you. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I actually became a very annoying person to my husband after reading this book and Lottie. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, she took all these leaps of faith. We should we should reevaluate in every life choice we've ever made and 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 make some huge leap of faith and and like I don't know go be lumberjacks in Alaska or something you know yes I, I want to do that ice road <laughs> truckers <laughs> and he is like Rachel there's a there's a reason we have a hard and fast rule not to make major life decisions in February uh, <laughs> oh, that's wise but at the same time they're of course smaller Lottie-like leaps of faith that one can make. I'm starting to plan summer vacation for us. And I'll tell you what, I'm being a little bit more adventurous and less stingy with both time and money than I would have been had I not read this book. To mm. realize that time is short, especially when, you've, when you're raising kids. And adventures, they may be a lot of hassle and a lot of expense, but the experiences that you enjoy together, the memories that you take away, there's something priceless about that. And so I'm yes. really, really glad I read this book right now. And it it gave me the courage to say, you know what, let's have some big adventure together and not worry about whether it dips into our savings a little bit, whether it, you know, takes up more time, whether you have to like use up more leave time than you had budgeted mm -hmm. for right now. Mm -hmm. You know, let's let's do something big together. And of course, it's us. So it's not going to be huge. Like we're not going to Italy, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we'll do more than just go to grandma and grandpa's house this year. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. So thanks, Lottie and all the girls for that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I feel like that's what life is, right? Mm. Is a leap of faith. Like, Everything you do, you never you never know how it's going to turn out. I guess maybe it's more the attitude mm. of how you go into it and mm -hmm. whether you do that with a positive, hopeful expectation or a fearful expectation. But either way, it's it's a leap and you go into it blind. Well, well and I think um, a lot of it is retrospective, too. Like, yeah, I, I think back you know, the 10, 15 years since college mm -hmm. and all of the sort of wreck and turmoil that my husband and I have been through. But having mm. come out onto the other side of, you know, joblessness and indecision and, you know, poverty and unemployment and all of those things, like you can look, I can look back now and say, wow, like God is faithful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing is that we can glean from this book is that he is always faithful. He is. And so that's the kind of, that's the kind of attitude I personally try to bring, like, as we think about call day coming up oh, or, you know, yeah. what does, what does life look like in two or three years? So it's, you know, we can look back on all those instances in our lives where, you know, we took, we took risks, whether or not we knew we were taking them at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we can see this this theme of God's faithfulness threading throughout. And you can see, okay, here's point A to point Z. And here's how each path, how each risk affected the outcome. But mm -hmm. you can you see God in all of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm -hmm. and everybody kind of lives on a different level of the leap of faith continuum, too. There are people who are continually doing doing new things and trying new things. And then there are other people who don't 
do much anything new. Like they get a job and get a house and get a car and that's mm-hmm. that's about it for the rest of their life. That's a and leap of that, faith in itself. Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, whenever we're weighing leaps of faith, we have the wonderful Lutheran doctrine of vocation to help us yes. decide oh. whether it's a responsible leap of faith. I mean, you say risk yes. averse. Partly our risk aversion comes from being responsible and realizing <laughs> that, to use my lumberjacks in Alaska idea, we have four kids. Like that would not be a good, and, and it, my husband is in the ministry and, you know, I have all these other responsibilities going on and, and that's not something that would be a responsible leap of faith at this point. We're not actually, we don't, we didn't. All the things you want for yourself, you want to be a lumberjack in Alaska? No, I, that was the wildest thing I could think of. I wouldn't actually share one of my real ones with you. I don't it's want on here. <laughs> a really personal <laughs> question. I was almost didn't put it up in book club because I was like, Asking people what leap of faith they're longing to make in their own life, I don't think I would share that with people. (laughs) Juicy. Juicy. Yeah, no, it's crazy out there. But but yes, as as Lutherans, we see our calling to serve our neighbors, especially those Mm -hmm. that God has put closest to us in our lives, as a way to judge whether, okay, is this leap of faith going to let me do that better or worse? Mm -hmm. Lumberjack in Alaska? That would not help me be a better wife, mother, podcaster, etc. However, taking a vacation with my family sometime somewhere special this summer, that would probably tick off all those vocation boxes. And so maybe that's a leap of faith that I should take. I think the biggest one that we've been through as a family together, my husband decided to quit his job last year and start doing things for music for the church. And that was a huge Mm -hmm. leap of faith for us. And we knew that going into it. And it took some prayer and some talking to people. But he had wanted to leave the retail world for a while and and do some things for the church. And it just hadn't been the right time until that point. And so now he's doing several different things, but they're all for the good of the church. Mm-hmm. And he is just, I mean, he's so good at what he does. I think you guys just bought a house when that happened. We bought a house <laughs> in 2020. So we had been in our house for like a year. But yeah. yeah. How did that make um, you feel as a new homeowner? Terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being honest. <laughs> but at the same time, we had been through so many other situations that I was not really sure how we were going to maybe pay our bills. But like the Lord, the Lord has always provided for us. Mm. There is always something that he's just always provided for us. And I knew that. And so it's just this like be sta- walking with my husband as he made these choices to do these things that I that I knew was going to be good for him and good for the church and good for all the people he'd be able to serve. And also knowing that I myself was going through the lesson of trust mm-hmm. and not worrying and, you know, relying on God for these things that I know that he will provide for us. It may not be the way that I think he should provide them for me. <laughs> but, Funny how that is. Huh? Uh, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I know I know that he will provide for us. And so, yeah, that is the the largest example and the most vulnerable example for us in the last the, however like long it's been. This could be a whole entire episode. Yes. Yeah. The more you trust, the less you fear. And I think that's ultimately when you talk about a leap of faith, it's about answering the question. And I ask this of myself and of of my husband and my kids all the time. What would you do if you weren't afraid? Mm. Because our fears keep us back so often. Lottie's fears keep her from doing anything, even from like buying lilies for herself (laughs) at the florist, you know, spending any dime on anything extravagant except 
fish for her husband because he really likes the good fish. You know, she's just so afraid. But when she stops being afraid, when she does something that requires courage and conviction and she shows up and she finds herself in heaven, decides it was worth every penny. And after that point, she's not afraid of anything. Yeah. And that's when things really start happening in her marriage, in her life. And it's, yeah. What would you do if you weren't afraid? Yeah. (laughs) I would do lots of things. For the record, (laughs) if my husband was infatuated with me or like falling in love with me again, if he pinched my ears. Yeah. What was with that? I'd be like, ow, what are you doing, weirdo? (laughs) I looked this up. uh, There, I couldn't find it anywhere, but I did wonder if maybe that was a euphemism. Yeah, oh, I suspect. Oh, <laughs> say no more. Oh. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> we need to pick a new book, ladies. <laughs> I just broke. My brain is broken. <laughs> on that note, yo, hey, yo, I'm gonna have to Google that. I already oh, did. You won't work. find anything. Not at work. No. <laughs> Full disclosure, I am going to look at that, though. Oh, boy. Um, I'll have safe search on, though. Don't worry. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> Dig out of that hole. <laughs> what shall we read next? I'll admit I've been so um, scatterbrained lately that I have put given a normally I come in and I'm like, let's do this genre or this genre. And if we have this genre, here are these three choices. And if we do this genre, we have these three choices. I have nothing right now. It, I like it though. Welcome to Lend. Welcome have, to Lend. I have become Lottie, I think, thanks to this book, because yeah. this is exactly what she would do. Mm-hmm. So I will think through a couple things on the fly, but I'm inviting you guys to. What do you want to read next? Like genres, books, authors? Uh, I'm open. We've had so many good, so, good choices. I feel like we can't really miss at this point. Talking oh about talking about God's faithfulness, right? I feel like I have the perfect spring slash summer read is a work of nonfiction. And I believe this writer was on a past list of options for nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm all ears. So when we met with Katie Schuerman in December, during the episode where she recommended and Enchanted April, The Enchanted April. She also recommended getting a work of theological nonfiction. And she mentioned the author and author's name, John Kleinig. Yes. Oh. And I looked him up on Amazon and the book, The Theology of the Body, came up in my search and i said well i'm all about that body pause life so let's get it and so i have it i haven't opened i haven't i have not opened it yet but in an interesting turn of events i also bought that book (laughs) like a month after you did independently of each other for very different reasons because i knew of the book for some reason, just working in this building, probably. But then also on the Friends for Life podcast, Steph Nugebauer had John Kleining on to talk about that book and the theology of the body. And I listened to that podcast and it was spectacular. And so I was like, well, I have to read the book now. So I also bought this book. I also have not read it. I feel like this is a Von Arnhem-esque 
round of serendipity. I actually got the book back in January myself <laughs> and have started reading it. So Hi-oh! am I the only one that does not already own this book? This is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> We'll beat you through it this time, Rachel. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Whoops. Well, I am happy to take on the challenge. Y'all have a head start on me. But if this is the book we're reading, I think it'll be great to read in the summertime when we are all moving our bodies and maybe uh, seeing more of our bodies than we've seen in a while. <laughs> so it's a good time to be thinking about theology of the body and what it means to be embodied souls. I, I I hope he gets into some Rene Descartes because that's really interesting. But we'll see. I don't know. We we shall see where we go with this. And I know I've seen a lot of people on social media talking about this book, both pastors and lay people. And it's been recommended to me by more than one quarter. So I'm I'm guessing the fact that the the same reason that I don't have a good book list is probably the reason why I haven't yet devoted more attention to this book. And that is for the last several months I have been reading classic literature very slowly. (laughs) Some books that I have never read in my life, but always thought I should. So two in particular that have been beautiful journeys, but very slow journeys. John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress, which is an amazing book. It's wonderful. Um, But yes, read it slowly. And I would never choose it for book club, so it couldn't couldn't do that. Thanks, um, Rachel. <laughs> maybe you're the, the like best. junior abridged version. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's a it's a it's a journey. And then the other one is another journey book, but Dante's Divine Comedy. Oh good. <laughs> I've no. made it through the inferno, hell, and now I'm um trudging through purgatory. Um again, <laughs> not perhaps the best choice for a Lutheran ladies. Sounds hilarious. Club. Um, but I, I just read a little bit at a time, this classic medieval Italian Catholic, very Catholic literature, and it's good, even though it's, Luther would have had a few things to say about it, but reading it with my, my Lutheran filters on, I'm able to enjoy it quite a lot. So, but I'm not going to ask any of you to read Dante's Inferno for the Lutheran Ladies Book Club, Mm. but since that's where I am in my life right now, I'm really, really glad that y'all were able to come through for me and suggest a book that I would have thought of had I not been in purgatory. <laughs> yeah. It's a God thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, ladies, we will be doing book club probably within the first week or two of June. So just mark your calendars. I will probably try to send out some many uh, more notifications at various points along the way. But we will be reading John Kleinig's wonderfully made a protestant theology of the body and the discussion on that should be fierce Um, i'm very excited one other thing that i want we our last question on the book club this time was if there are any format changes we want to see again it started out kind of slowly for a variety of reasons this time and one thing that i think will be making this change right away is that i will be creating some Taking the questions that we ask in the group and seeing if we can create a downloadable PDF version of those. So if you are not on Facebook, you can still reflect on the books with us on your own, either journaling. I think that would be a great way to engage in in book club or even better, get some of your church friends together, your neighbors, your sisters, your cousins, your besties, whoever 
pop open a, a bottle of wine or a pitcher, crack out a pitcher of iced tea or lemonade, sit down, mm. and we will provide you the discussion questions to host your own in-person book club. Because as much as we love, some of us love social media, in-person is always better if you can manage it. So mm-hmm. be thinking about that if you would like to. We will make sure to have some, they'll probably be very, very rudimentary at first. Think like Word docs turned into PDFs unless Sarah the Canva Queen wants to work her mag- magic on it. Officially licensed. Um, mm. But we <laughs> want to find a way that people can participate even if you're not on Facebook. So we're working on it. Thanks for your yeah. patience. And we have our e-newsletter now too. Yes. And we've been announcing things through there as well. So that's another avenue to connect with us for book club and listening to these episodes and all of those good things. Okay, so our next book club, Wonderfully Made by John Kleinig. I'm super duper looking forward to this. It is it is next in the pile of my books after I've finished the current book that I'm reading. So <laughs> yes. that makes me very happy that it, it lines up almost perfectly. <laughs> you can find book club in our Facebook group, The Lutheran Ladies Lounge on Facebook. It's under the events tab when you go to the group. You can also find all of our past book clubs there as well. If you're catching up on the podcast and you want to do some of those previous book clubs that we've done, those are all still in our Facebook group. So you can read those books that we've already done and work through those questions too. They they just kind of live perpetually there. So you can go back and answer questions from a year ago if you want to. That's totally cool. You can also find us on Instagram at Lutheran Ladies Lounge. You can share your thoughts about this book that we've just read, The Enchanted April, or the book that we're going to be reading, Wonderfully Made, on your Instagram. Tag us at Lutheran Ladies Lounge and share your thoughts there. Well, like I said, we do have our e-newsletter. If you're not on social media or you just like to get us in your inbox, you can find how to sign up for that e-newsletter in the show notes for this episode, or you can send us an email, lutheranladies at kfuo.org. Those go to all four of us and we'll we'll get we'll all get your messages there too. I love them, all of them. They're fantastic. Find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app or on the KFUO radio app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Mrs. Fisher's macaroni fork. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry and I'm done. I need a vacation. (laughs) Yes, go. Go to Italy. San Salvatore? <laughs> what do you want to bet those dudes are like, what are these crazy ladies doing? <sighs> oh, oh. KFUO Radio and the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast are underwritten in part by Ad Crucem. Visit them online at adcrucem.com. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge.